Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Code Life podcast. This podcast provides a forum for discussions on healthcare issues and challenges with specialists from diverse backgrounds. I'm Sylvie Riendo, your host today. In the medical field, surgery is never taken lightly. It often represents the last treatment option for diseases such as cancers or serious injuries. The fact is that surgery has a high impact on the body and the psychological balance of patients. Throughout the years, new surgical techniques were developed in order to reduce the impact of surgery on patients. A good example of that would be the minimally invasive surgeries that are now performed on patients, requiring only small incisions thanks to the very precise tools now available. But apart from what is done inside the operation room, medical teams are now more than ever aware of what can and should be done before and after surgery to limit risks of complications and reduce hospitalizations and recovery time. Welcome to the Code Life podcast, where we meet today with Dr. Francesco Carli, professor at the Department of Anesthesia of the McGill University Faculty of Medicine and director of the perioperative program, also known as PAP program. Hello, Dr. Carli. Good morning. Bonjour. Also with Dr. Carli today is Dr. Enrico Minella, PhD at the McGill Faculty of Medicine. Hello, Dr. Minella. Hello, bonjour. All right, so let's dive into the subject here. Can you explain us what is the PAP program exactly? So first of all, the name POP uh, reminds you something coming out of the champagne bottle. <laughs> so POP, energy. So, um, so the idea of POP uh, is to help patients to recuperate faster after surgery. But in order to obtain that, you need to prepare them. So I like always to take the example of the marathon, preparing for the marathon. Marathon is a major stress, stress from the point of view physical, emotional, psychologically. They are very under stress, these uh, marathon, marathon runner, and also nutritionally. So why not uh, adapting the same concept from athletes to patients and patients at risk going for surgery and preparing them? So it makes sense that uh, beside optimizing them from the point of view of uh, pharmacologically and medically, diabetes, hypertension, and so on, we actually optimize from the fitness point of view. And I say fitness point of view, mentally, of course, nutritionally, physically, emotionally. So you were uh, also mentioning the psychological aspect of, uh, of this uh, training before the surgery. Um, how do, what kind of services do you offer for that? Um, we don't have a psychologist per se, uh, because these are not behavioral changes. You don't be change a behavior in four weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have a, a support by clinical oncologist, clinical psychologist. So we, uh, um, our personnel, is trained to um, suggest the patients uh, something like um, you know meditation, yoga. Some patients do yoga. Uh, visualization, imagery. There are different techniques. We're giving a video, it's, uh, sorry, a CD, uh, where they can actually listen to music. Depends where they like it. Mm -hmm. Deep breathing exercise is very important for relaxation as well. Um, and then there are patients who really are, uh, um, we, we have a, a questionnaire which indicates to us the level of the depression. It's a severe, severe depression. Mm -hmm or severe anxiety, then we can refer to a specialist, uh, either psychologist or psychiatrist. 
Uh, otherwise, I think this is a general concept of relaxation, but not only in that relaxation, but also as a stimulation, right, to continue the program, right? Because uh, uh, continuing the program is always difficult. Compliance is always a problem in all these studies, right? Mm -hmm. How long they can go for. So a preliminary study we just finished doing is really preliminary, a small number of patients. We know that uh, one year after, about 60-70% of patients continue to exercise. So this is quite uh, interesting. We have not really uh, paid attention much to that. But I think that's something that we really have to. So uh, the, when you talk about psychological aspect or emotional aspect, I like to call it more emotional relaxation strategies, is very much teaching the patient to be in control, mm-hmm. self-efficacy. That's crucial because then they know they can actually do the exercise. They see themselves, oh, this is not complete. Remember, our population is in the 60s, 70s mm-hmm. years old. So the concept in the 40, 30, 40 years ago was not gym, go to the gym. You work. Yeah, That's exactly. it. That's your life is working and physical work, the majority. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they come to a new world where they actually see this machine. They can help. So they become in control. And they can see maybe they lose weight. They feel braced better. They breathe better. And and they tell you, really, oh, my pants are going down. <laughs> you know, my belt is actually, right? But this is an example to say. But they actually, they breathe better. They feel better. They're stronger. And that's what is important for them. They give a sense of ownership. Yeah, exactly. And even on the psychological aspect, when you feel better physically, it helps your, uh, your psychic as Correct. well. Correct. Sure. Body and mind. What are the, the, the patients? Is it any patient who can benefit from this program? How do you, yeah. is there a selection? How does it work? Sure. Well, uh, remember that uh, potentially any patient can benefit, mm-hmm. right? Of course. But uh, I, I think probably our resources, because of limited resources, we should really uh, consider two points. One is uh, uh, awareness, making patients aware what they're going through. The surgical surgery is a stressful event, and not only for the patient, but for the family and for the society too, because they are cost-related. So one is a teaching moment. So teaching moment like stopping smoking, control your alcohol intake, uh, mm-hmm. lifestyle changes. So one is aspect of that. And then I would say intervening on the one who are really, I would say, more at risk. So you take elderly, frail patients, patients with the major comorbidities, uh, patients who are obese, or they go from extensive surgery. And that's where you need to probably put more money into it, in the sense that you have a much more intensive type of, uh, of um, uh, training, preparation, and so on. All right. And how did this uh, start at the Montreal General Hospital? Yeah, well, it started about uh, six, seven years ago. And we started with uh, looking at the effect of exercise on patients. And then we came uh, being aware that uh, um, you need a a much more holistic approach where you have the nutritional aspect, extremely important component. And then, of course, you have the psychological aspect, the emotional, and uh, and refining also the type of exercise. So really we're learning from physiology, exercise physiology. We are learning a lot from nutritional also. Uh, so uh, the program is uh, a structure program mm-hmm. and personalized. That means one doesn't fit all. 
So it is important that patients are assessed first properly. And then uh, it is uh, uh, oriented, they are oriented towards a program which fits them and also follow them in the progressions. We have uh, Dr. Minella, who's a PhD student at the McGill Faculty of Medicine. And so, Dr. Minella, you chose to that field of study for your PhD. Um, how, how did that come up? came up because there is uh, a, an urgent need for all the patients suffering from cancer to have exercise and nutrition to be integrated in their cancer care. There is this really urgent need. And so I'm an anesthesiologist, so I take care about uh, all the perioperative phase, and surgery is a key point in all the cancer care. So I came here also because this is one, um, I think, the only center in North America, and now there are just few in, in Europe. But this is at McGill, we really have the first center that uh, that tried, that has been trying for five, six, seven years now to integrate this basic concept of good nutrition and exercise done before surgery in order to prevent all the detrimental effect of the intervention. That it's really useful, of course. It's a key point in the cancer case cancer care, but we really do need to have all these elements integrated for the patient. Absolutely. And it uh, it strikes me to know that you're both uh, anesthesiologists. So are. it comes from, uh, you kind of, uh, well, it comes from, like you were saying, preparation of the patient before surgery. And that's where, you know, you're, you're the specialist who will be with the patient before. Um, but, you know, in our minds for anesthesiologists, we think of uh, drugs or, you know, something that's going to uh, stop the pain or make us unaware that we're having a surgery. So uh, it's very interesting that how this came up in, in, in this field, actually, in, uh, from anesthesia. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's part of our field because we really do know what's happened during the surgery. Mm -hmm. And we do know all the stress related with the operation. So in our personal opinion, it really makes sense that the anesthesiologists for the research and for the clinical aspect, they, they start to go outside the operation room and start thinking about preventing what could be happened during the intervention. Okay, with adding no drugs, that's the point. Mm -hmm. Rehabilitation and pop is no drugs, no more other drugs, just nutrition, exercise, yeah, yeah, and the psychological sure. aspect for the patient. Well, that's great. And this question uh, goes to you both. Um, I know it makes perfect sense that you want to be, you know, like before running a marathon or doing a, any kind of competition, you're going to be training and, and, and getting ready for it and, and being in shape for it. Um, it's completely logical. So, So we can wonder, you know, what is the the, the place that it's begin that it's given in the medicine study uh, to such a program and thinking more holistic approach of uh, of medicine and health? Do you find it something uh, quite new, or was it there at some point in medicine, gone and then came back? What is your what are your thoughts on this? Well, there are some aspects. If you take, uh, for instance, cancer care, right? There is uh, some understanding that holistic approach. It's not only the pharmacological approach. Mm -hmm. So um, especially uh, patients who are uh, in the um, final part of their life and so on, so they receive emotional aspect, nutritional aspect, uh, cancer cachexia, for instance. So there are precedents already. But, um, and I think uh, that uh, um, we are not replicating anything, but we are taking from... Uh, 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 aspect of uh, uh, care, 
which is used, for instance, if you look at rehabilitation in uh, cardiac patients, right, where they exercise after infarct or after mm-hmm. transplantation and so on. So this is taking also from uh, them. And uh, uh, as Enrico will say, uh, the idea is very much a giving the sense uh, that patients taking the moment of surgery as a teachable moment mm-hmm. to, to change your lifestyle, to make come in control of their health. That's is important. So we are really educating them to control, and we want to make sure that the patient continue after surgery because some of the cancer patients, as you mentioned, will go through chemotherapy, radiotherapy, mm-hmm. so which are the stress. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they have to be feel comfortable that if they are prepared for surgery, they can continue to be prepared for other impairments which occur later on in life. Mm-hmm. It's a, some sort of a empowerment of, exactly. uh, of their, uh, their health. They can control. Exactly. So how many patients a year are you able to treat at the moment with the program at the Montreal General Hospital? Well, <laughs> there, are no, there are no many, but there are many. So we are talking about, on average, about 200, probably. They're quite intense because the patient comes for assessment, first of all, and takes a three, four hours for assessment. Then if they come to exercise two, three times a week, also takes a good hour. Then there are assessment, evaluation, how they progress, and takes another hour. So when you put in within eight hours of work every day, we're open. Uh, you know, it's a considerable part of the time. Most, uh, I would say, are research, most patients, but also, of course, some are patients who are referred by the surgeons, for uh, for treatment, for taking care. So we assess them, and then we, we decide whether we can actually, they're fit for surgery, or they con- need some uh, prehabilitation. Could you give maybe an example of a, just a, a recent case that you, you could tell the, you know, all the benefit and improvement versus somebody who would not have uh, done all this program? Yeah, well, there are definitely <laughs> there are a few. One patient that I probably remember quite vividly was this lady was referred to us uh, by um, uh, general surgeons and she came uh, in a wheelchair. Basically, she was very tired, very depressed, and um, she couldn't walk very much. Uh, Otherwise, she was reasonably fit. A little bit of hypertensive, a little bit of uh, arthritis, but not major. And uh, so we did also assessment evaluation, and then we put a really under intensive program. And she came uh, two, three times a week to be supervised mm-hmm. because there's problem at home. We don't know exactly what they do, but if they come to us, then at least we know that they actually what they do. So we uh, supervise, and within four weeks, she walked in impressive. Wow. We, in fact, the patient was so pleased because definitely achieve. Uh, she could go for surgery. She went surgery. She stayed in hospital two, three days, no more than that. And she recuperated very well. And she came to see us after four weeks, eight weeks. And she was absolutely back to, 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 to normal, in full function, in mm-hmm. control and happy. That's what she called the, the happy clinic. <laughs> That's good. Especially with the pop happy. It, it all makes the pop, sense. Pop happy energy. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> 
So the patients who take part in the PUP program know the date of their surgery and have time to prepare for it. But how much time do they usually have to prepare? You know, we're talking about weeks, month. I mean, this lady was a, f a few weeks. Well, four, about four weeks. Four weeks. Four weeks. Only four weeks. And yeah. she, yeah. Do you want to elaborate? Yep. So we, everything is new because there's nothing in this field. So we, we just at the beginning, we were just, Of, we just had the idea to use the time we have before surgery, okay, to do as much as we can. Now, after years, we done a lot of research, and we know that four weeks is enough to exert a good result. Okay. And that really fits perfectly also with the operation time. We mm -hmm. never, never posticipate the, the surgery. That's important because, it's, it's, it's a, of course, it's a key point in, yeah. in, in the care of the patient. And, of course, they want to have surgery, okay? And so we never participate, and the good point is that four weeks we have been shown that it's enough time to get a good result. So it's maybe four weeks, like the the, the lady, the example was like three times That's a it. week. That's it. Well, it, it's uh, remember that everything is personalized. Yeah. So how many times they come? Uh, which type of exercise? Uh, it's uh, done with uh, and the bicycle or the recommend bicycle or the treadmill. Everything is personalized. We have kinesiologists, so they are expert in sport that takes care about the expert uh, about the sport part. Mm -hmm. Then we have a nutritionist, expert in cancer patient that takes care about uh, about just the nutrition. So everything is really personalized. Everything is really at a high level because we can we have no room to make any error because four weeks are enough. But we need we really. Need need to start with to start in a, in a timely manner and uh, works at high level if we want to to this patient to get fitter before surgery yeah but that this is amazing i mean it's like for a super athlete you know they get a team taking care of them and That's making true. sure that everything is, is fine so they get you guys a, a big specialist team helping them to to be ready for this uh, this operation so this is amazing and it's like a it's like a, a gym kind of uh, we do have where a gym. you do it is like a yeah you, you're talking about a treadmill a bicycle so it's really like a small gym and and where you actually train physical training yeah one thing uh, very interesting is that uh, four weeks first of all because the the oncological societies in Canada in the states and so on uh, established that this is the time from the diagnosis To surgery that is acceptable. So we try to work within the framework of four weeks, mm -hmm. but also we found, as Enrico will say, that actually we have results with four weeks in terms of increasing the functional patient aspect of these patients. Absolutely. But what is interesting, because many of these patients are debilitated or elderly or frail, they actually gain more because they have a very little reserve with them, right? So if you push them, they actually are able to actually come up quite higher than uh, you and me who already are reasonably fit. <laughs> well, that is, uh, that is great. And you were saying, um, Dr. Minella, that uh, the center here, the reason why you came here for your study is like one of the only one who's giving such a program in North America. I mean, this is, uh, this is quite something. And it surprises me that, you know, such program are not developed elsewhere. Can you elaborate on that? This is this is true. It's the only center in North America, and uh, once again, the one that's, uh, that that start that has been starting now in Europe, they try to replicate uh, our our model. Okay, so they came here, and we really have uh, basically every month someone who comes from 
all over the world, I would say, from Asia, from mm -hmm. <laughs> from uh, South America, from uh, from uh, US. We, we, it's it's really a new model. It's really a new model that uh, that has begun here, and we, I think McGill uh, should be proud of that uh, also because. Uh, and as you said, I come all the all my way from Italy, just <laughs> here in Montreal, because the, it's it's a unique model. We I think we should uh, all be proud. All the all the McGill community should be proud of that because it's really good. It's really good. I think the Miguel community is proud, uh, Dr. Carly. <laughs> all of us. We all <laughs> work can, together. You, you can be happy. We have a great uh, collaborator. <clears throat> we have uh, internists. We have surgeons. We have um, allied health administrators, uh, all very supportive. And that's very important. Of course, of course. So where do you see uh, this going? Do you wish that, uh, you know, like uh, any medicine faculty, uh, you know, around the globe or this kind of program be more integrated to uh yes uh, as uh, rico said there is definitely an interest in uh, wide interest uh, i would say uh, what we need to do is uh, is make people aware of the need right and uh, at the moment uh, is very much on uh, based on uh, uh, volunteering and charities and so on support and research Uh, I think the future is, the long-term future, is that the difference will become standard of practice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's why our uh, uh, prehabilitation is within the preoperative clinic, which makes sense because the patient has identified the one potentially at risk, and instead of being sending for surgery, they are going to the prehabilitation unit where they actually are prepared for surgery, and mm -hmm. they're given the okay. Yeah. Okay, this is the model. I foresee. And, um, and, and definitely there is a huge interest. Uh, the last World Congress, uh, this is the second World Congress uh, in, uh, in Holland, um, where there were 200 people from all over the world. So definitely mm -hmm. there is a community of uh, surgical community, medical oncological community, who are very interested. We are publishing uh, several journals, mm -hmm. oncological as well, and I'm sure that it's going to happen And it will take time, as usual. And, of course, uh, the question always is, who is going to pay for this? It's mm -hmm. always the question raised, but definitely uh, we can come up. We can come around that issues uh, if we are determined that this is important for the hospital, for the patients, mm -hmm. and for the society. Well, well it seems that the investment uh, is a good investment. It's actually an investment to do this if you, you know, you cut on recovery time and, you know, all the health benefits that the patient will, uh, will have on the, on the long run, being more empowered by, you know, for yourself, taking care of his own health. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, for sure. And where do you see, um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, med tech and artificial intelligence and all these new technologies. Um, do you see this coming in the, in the field? I think probably some devices might be helpful to track Uh, patient's uh, health. What are your thoughts about that? We we actually use um, we actually use uh, some track devices, uh, in particular watch, of course, active mm -hmm. watch, in, in order to monitor the, the physical activity. Because the other point is that we just don't want the patient come here at the hospital doing exercise. We want them to be aware about the type of exercise they could do before and after, and we want really to integrate some physical activity in their daily living. That's the reason why we provide the patient with, with an active watch and we track their activities. Okay? okay. 
because it's not just one hour of exercise. We want to deliver a whole life change. So nutrition is one of the most, of course, one of the most important life change. And we want to promote physical activity that is different from exercise. So we, we want the patient to be more active, to start using stairs instead of taking the elevator for, for, free, for free floors. We, we, we want something. We want some real change. Okay, in their mm -hmm. life activity, and that's the reason why. Yes, yeah, so it has already come. Okay, we just used the, the the watch. I'm pretty sure we could go further. Uh, at the moment, we are at this level, but I'm pretty sure we could push further. Or at some point, find uh, new uh, new partners and uh, that's it. We could develop something more of personalized course. and have. I'm sure. Well. Some are there, or we could get there to have this personalized device with you know the program. You have to walk, mm -hmm. you know, a certain amount of steps, stairs, or uh, that's it, or dance in your living room, perhaps uh, <laughs> salsa if you can. Of course, <laughs> why not? Of course, why not? The question is that uh, we want to know what they do at home. Yeah. So that's where we hope to have some sort of uh, recording system where we can see the patients actually, they exercise. Mm -hmm. And we can, tr instead of coming here, which will be expensive for them, the timing is not right, the parking lot, I mean, yeah. people have to pay, you know, they hate parking of in the hospital. <laughs> and uh, so therefore, that could be a, some way to, with the, information, with the technology, to actually know what they do at home and uh, train them while they train now in the right way to do the, the exercise. So, just, uh, so definitely the future is a lot of work on that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, of new options and yes. uh, tools to be to, to and, help. Uh, the virtual reality, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes, virtual sure. reality is yeah. very, very <laughs> will come, will come. And it's where the, the technology can actually help a, a real need, you know, so. Yes. And you mentioned that people in uh, good physical and mental health who have to go undergo surgery, don't, some people don't necessarily go to the pop program. They won't be, uh, you know, pointed your way. Um, but could you maybe give, uh, you know, a few uh, ideas of what people who are listening to this podcast can introduce in their daily habits to stay healthy, live a better life, and be prepared in case uh, they ever need to undergo a surgery? The main concepts are always the same. So we need to promote physical activity in their daily life so really they need to be active for example they could start you know walking some flight of stairs every two hours for example and then they need to exercise at least we know 75 minutes per week of a high intensity exercise or 150 minutes per week of moderate exercise and then for the for the nutritional aspect there's just main element the basic element okay and for example, for, for the nutrition, we know that uh, we really want a good protein, protein intake, okay? That mm -hmm. should be 15, 20% of their total meals. We want the fat not going, uh, not going more than the 10, 15%, a good amount of carbohydrate, not simple sugar, not refined sugar. So there is this main element, this basic element that, uh, that could be provided. But just to say, uh, we do not uh, give up with the patients that are fit, okay? We just say that uh, the ones who are fit, they could come to our clinic and we give them a, a kind of home-based, as we call. Mm -hmm. So they 
they anyway in in any case they have a consultation with us okay? okay we just focus our attention to the less fit patients in the sense that we want them to come we want them to supervise some patients are elderly they not really do how to exercise okay a 40 years uh, old uh, woman i'm pretty sure we could give some advice okay mm-hmm. and she will be able to follow them probably so it's just uh, you know um how we distribute our resources okay we don't give up with any patient we don't leave any patient alone and uh, of course of course yeah <laughs> what would be the next step the next accomplishment you wish to make in order to facilitate patient patient lives how would you see it evolve oh uh <clears throat> Well, first of all, I think it should be uh, this program in terms of going through the MUHC or hospital. Mm-hmm. So we start already a little bit uh, small unit at the Glen, <clears throat> but it's a very small, very specific uh, for uh, one type of uh, surgery. But definitely that's, we hope that this will uh, actually increase in the few years to come. And then, and then, of course, uh, there is some interest from the francophone sectors mm-hmm. in the town, in town. And um, and also from uh, other hospitals, peripheral hospital. As I said, it's going to grow. It's going to take. It takes time. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. any innovation takes twenty times to to, <laughs> to be reali- realized. So that's 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 the future. Oh, for sure. I think it's uh, definitely the future, and uh, and hopefully, you know, like we are. There are centers for rehabilitation. So why right. aren't there centers for you know? Yeah. Prehabilitation. Prehabilitation, exactly, exactly. No, for sure. Well, we uh, hopefully you can duplicate this model, uh, you know, everywhere. I think every uh, hospital should uh, have such a a program for sure. Sure. But, you know, if you think about for a moment uh, uh, is if you um, I was talking to oncologist and uh, the moment you have a diagnosed cancer, you should really put in this concept of preparing mm-hmm. for this stress. It doesn't matter whether it's going to be a chemo, radio, or surgery. These are all stressful events. One is physical um, because of the surgery, and the other one is toxic too. But there are no difference. They cause the same upset, uh, physiological, patients are tired, they're nutritionally depleted, uh, physically sedentary becomes so it makes sense that you enter in this concept of rehabilitation so i think that's will uh, will come more and more in my view of preparing mm. this as soon as you get you get into the concept into the system and then you triage and you see the patient are a little bit more fit that maybe they need a psychological aspect. They yeah, don't need the nutrition because it's extremely well and they are very fit and so on, but they might need a psychological aspect. They said, I'm the patient actually needs some help on reorganizing the nutrition point of view, but it doesn't really matter. And then you enter into the, this program, uh, which uh, really covers the patient and follows the patients because mm-hmm. you prepare it for the next impairment, which could be whatever is even so, another type of surgery or another uh, infarct or arthritis. So, mm-hmm. but they are already preparing the in the mind what to do when this stressful event comes. So it's really a, a yeah, global. No, 
Yeah, of course. And mind, absolutely, as you're saying, even, yeah, mindful. And even for somebody who's fit, I mean, uh, even after surgery, the way you can recover from it, you need good advice. Also, what, what to eat? Is there something I can eat that's going to help me recover yeah. better? Uh, um, or, you know, even the cardio. I mean, somebody who's fit might not necessarily have uh, a good cardio. It could have cardiac problems anyway. So, so uh, no, for sure, oh. all this needs to be uh, to be addressed. Um, and... Um, In your case, as a, a student, um, and probably do you? I don't know if you're planning on going back to Italy after this, uh, this uh, your, your studies. But um, what do you hope for? Uh, you you want to? You're the new recruit who's going to bring this new uh, new program uh, wherever you're going to be uh, working. We want for sure. We need to spread. We need to spread the voice. But uh, I think we are. The concept is that uh, from a scientific point of view, we have. Uh, enough data now and now it's being recognized we have publication and then we have conference as we said we, mm -hmm. we, we are at the second world conference just on this topic just on prehabilitation it really involves you know physician nutritionist kinesiologist physiotherapist from north america from europe so, so i think that that we strong base we really have a strong rationale now the next point will be of course Spread, spread the spread this this uh, this uh, program is not just common sense. We we mm. we went from uh, common sense exercise nutrition to get fitter to a r clinical reality, mm. and now we need to we need to go all around talking about uh, this clinical reality for patient because the patient is always uh, it's always in, in in the center. Okay, it's always the center of our of our mm. work, and the concept that the patient is there becoming more aware about their care, okay? Before was like uh, normal because then the patient would say, okay, I'm going to have surgery, so it's normal that I feel weak. It's normal that it will take, uh, now it's taking two, three, three to six months to going back mm -hmm. to their normal life. We're talking about uh, even not major operation, okay? I think the patient now is becoming aware about their health right, okay? And they have the right to, mm -hmm. to, to go through cancer care, to have, having a cancer and keep, uh, and keep having their quality of life in a good level, okay? So I think that that, that should be the, the clue point of spreading the voice, the patient. The patient talks a lot and that's, uh, that's the really enthusiastic when they come to us and the great, great feedback we have and the great success we're having is just because the patient, the patient talk, okay? We're mm -hmm. going around conference, we're writing paper, but that's, <laughs> that's always, that, that's the most effectful, uh, effectful uh, consequence of our work now. For sure, and you were you were talking about common sense, and it's true. Sometimes, you know, common sense is is unfortunately not enough. That's it. <laughs> and data is uh, is very important, especially nowadays. You know, when you can uh, bring numbers to the table and uh, you know show this is how much uh, you know uh, if if you cut on. Um, you know, re rehabilitation uh, uh, aspect of it after the surgery and everything. Of course, those uh, this data will will talk for sure. And now these data are available because in our group we show that the we show that the vast majority of the patients following our program they recover to their physical level in one month after surgery. So that and that's why you know, like you were saying, four weeks of uh, it's four weeks. Of, uh, it's four weeks with of exercise before of exercise and nutrition, no drugs uh, added, yeah. no no drugs no, and no drugs. You know, yeah, how, yeah. how's that? 
Even though we are an anesthesiologist <laughs> with no drugs, okay? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's really important to say yeah, also course. because, uh, and even some patients don't support uh, medication or some, uh, yes. you know, drugs. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was super interesting. And uh, hopefully you can spread this program uh, in many hospitals as possible. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So thank you all for listening to the Code Life podcast. For more information, I invite you to visit our website, codelife.ca.